Hey guys, this is Kristen Esparza. Thanks so much for joining me on the So She Did podcast. I'm very excited about the guests that we have on the show today. Heather Gray with Discovering Health is joining us. She is a functional wellness practitioner. Um, so rather than me try to interpret what exactly that means, Heather, explain to the listeners what is a functional wellness practitioner. And I wish there was like a short, easy way to, to, to describe it because it's just really not, but it, there is, but it's not, but I'm a destroyer of brain fog, chronic fatigue, chronic inflammation, chronic pain. So when you go to the doctor and you say, doc, I feel like crap. And they run lab results on you and they tell you, but your labs look fine. Right. That's kind of the area that I play in. I dig a little bit deeper using functional lab work to get to the root cause of your problems instead of throwing band-aids at symptoms. Okay. So you're kind of superwoman. I need you in my life. If you can destroy brain fog, uh, we'll talk about that a little later in the episode, but the first time you and I talked, um, we, we, you've told me a little bit about your story and you were having repeated physical ailments, the same problems over and over again. So tell the listeners a little bit about your story and how you got started with this. Oh man. So I mean, from the start, start, I, I like to tell people and laugh that I was basically born constipated. Okay. You know, I, I remember, <laughs> my, I remember, you know, when you're so little sitting on the toilet and your feet can't quite hit the ground and my feet would fall asleep from sitting on the toilet for so long. Uh-huh. And then, um, you know, having to drink like horrible oil type things, it was probably castor oil. If I think about it back then, you know, these at-home remedies, but they never, nobody ever thought, why is this three-year-old you know, so constipated, you know, they mm-hmm. didn't ever want to dig in deeper. They were just throwing band-aid symptoms. Um, but fast forward quite a few more years. And when I was 13, I was bit by a tick when I was living in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't start showing symptoms of Lyme disease until about two years after that, when I ended up in the psych ward for the first time uh, for trying to off myself. Wow. And wow. Again, nobody's asking why is this teenager, you know, trying to take themselves out of the world? They just mm-hmm. you know, put me on different prescription medications, patted me on the head and sent me out the door. Yeah. Um, fast forward even longer, you know, it was about seven or eight years ago. I finally was diagnosed with Lyme disease. So I had Lyme disease for over 20 some years. I had celiac disease for over 20 some years that were never diagnosed mm-hmm. uh, endometriosis. Um, and just recently diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Wow. That's, wow you know, in a nutshell, what brought me here, but what keeps bringing me here is like you said, the reoccurring. So like the, the other piece that I've added to this puzzle lately is trauma work Mm -hmm. and trauma, whether it's early childhood trauma or PTSD from war or divorce or, um, having a chronic illness in your body Mm -hmm. or having, um, like a toxicity from chemical exposure. Yeah. Trauma is trauma is trauma in your nervous system. Right. And if you don't deal with it, it kind of keeps taking your body back to set point. Right. So I would get so much better on this program. And then a year or two later down the line, I was, I'd end up having gaining all the weight back, getting the brain fog back, being mm-hmm. angry, being reactive, being forgetful. And finally it was this last yo-yo of kind of doing the same thing. When I started hearing different providers speaking about trauma and trauma in the nervous system and all this fun stuff about trauma. Uh, I think what really got me started was the book, the body keeps score. Oof, not for the faint of heart, 
that if you really kind of want to dig a little deeper into how this works, like he's a, he's a psychologist and he talks a lot about some of the cases, especially with the cases with kids. Yeah. And I mean, there were nights I was reading that book, just bawling, a blubbering idiot on the couch. And my husband's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this kid is a banana. You know, I I still don't understand why he had to be so graphic in the, in the, in the book, but it, it's, uh, it was very informative on how trauma continues to keep that cycle of sickness in your body and in your brain. Well, I think that sometimes being graphic helps people understand that their trauma, that their experience is not unique. And it's, it's a form of being honest. I mean, you started this conversation by saying you were constipated basically since you were born. And that's something that people don't talk about because there are certain physical ailments, certain mental ailments that we have, um, that are not socially acceptable to talk about, but if more people talked about them, which is why we're doing this, then maybe more people could find solutions. And I think sometimes people are even afraid to talk to their doctors or find a practitioner like you who can help them through it. So the first time you and I talked, you mentioned that you had these repeated physical ailments and that you kind of realized there was, there was unresolved trauma in your life. And I asked you at the time, I said, Heather, hold on a second. Hold on. I keep seeing the word trauma everywhere. My boyfriend broke up with me. It was traumatic. Um, I had a bad childhood. I, you know, I'm trying to recover from trauma is trauma real? Is it a buzzword? And you said, no, trauma is absolutely real. And we have to understand that people experience the same event in different ways. So what's traumatic for you may not be traumatic for me and vice versa. So when you're working with clients, what are some examples of things that you would consider trauma that may or may not be you know, widespread welcomed as trauma, but in fact are interfering with that mind body connection? Ooh, great question. So yeah, even going back to what you were saying, there's, there's even biological factors that will actually make you more predispositioned to trauma. Yeah. Stuff in your genes, right. Which will make you more susceptible to trauma, like mind blown. Like I, uh, Um, so a lot of the ones are like the chemical sensitivities and like the chronic illness, like people just only do see trauma as like mental, emotional trauma, Mm -hmm. which is a very, very small part of, of actually the whole trauma gambit. Um, but yes, like with me, mold toxicity and Lyme disease, you know, Lyme in my brain for over 20 some years that caused trauma that caused an injury to my brain. Right. So wow. that's yeah. a, a, a different definition to something that causes an injury to your brain, to your nervous system is mm-hmm. the trauma. If you work, I was also a hairstylist for 15 years and I worked in some pretty gnarly flipping, uh, studios, you know, where they were also doing the nails and, you know, some of the, just the chemical, chemicals, the chemicals, you know, I imagine that actually had a little bit to do with my, my trauma as well. You know, it's all that stuff that your body can't handle and it injures causes trauma. Right. I can see that. And I think too, that, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that I didn't even think about this until you were talking. My mom was just visiting Colorado. Um, I took her back today and on the way back to the airport, I noticed that 
she and I both had a Coke in our hand, right? She has her diet Coke. I have my Dr. Pepper. And um, there's a long history of addiction in my family. And she was talking about, you know, she, she is a recovering alcoholic. She was talking about that. And we were talking about how addiction affects people. And I picked up my Dr. Pepper and I said, this affects my life because I feel like it controls me. I wake up every morning and I look for my soda. And while I wouldn't call that trauma, I did grow up in an environment where there was addiction. I did grow up in an environment where my mother woke up every morning to drive to the gas station to get her Coke and her cigarettes. And it wasn't until talking to her and now hearing you say this, those are things that were conditioned in me that I didn't realize I have become dependent on. Um, and it's not even, we were talking about, is it the sugar? Is it the caffeine? It, it's almost just something that we do in this family where we, we have become conditioned to that. Um, and I have noticed as I've gotten older, if I'm more stressed um, than not, I will go to the drive-through to get myself a large Coke because that has become a crutch for me rather than dealing with whatever the stressful situation is. And it doesn't sound like a big deal, but when it's something that, you know, if they deliver my groceries and they forget the Coke, I get in the car and go buy one because it's my crutch, you know? So how do we respect trauma in our, in our lives and in other people? How do we see what they've been through and respect that even if we can't relate to it? Oh gosh. I, there was a quote by Brene Brown. I love her, love her, love her. She's a university of Houston alumni. And that's where oh, I got my bachelor's yeah, degree from. So I, I do feel partial <laughs> to her too. <laughs> She's, I swear to God, her, like her first couple of books, I was like, wait, she's had somebody follow me. Like it seriously was my life that she was talking about. It was yeah, The gift of imperfection. So good. Oh my God. Yes. And I recently, this is a little off topic. I recently finished, um, braving the wilderness yep. and she wrote it before all of the black lives matter and all of that stuff happened. Yep. But if you go back and read it, it is so, talks about, yep. it is so poignant and, and you wonder how people, especially in our, you know, recent political events can treat people a certain way. And she addresses yep. that. So any of our yep. listeners, if you want a great book about, you know, um, vulnerability, authenticity, and how people come to see other people different who have experienced different trauma, any of those Brene Brown books are fantastic. But yeah, so her quote, and I'm not, I'm not going to do it justice, but it basically says that the way that you can show up and help somebody is by believing them where they're at. Right. I not, love that. Not belittling where they're out. Oh, Cause I, I, I was guilty of this. Yes. And, and it happened to me. My mother gaslighted the hell out of me. That's yeah. why I didn't even realize I had childhood trauma until I was starting to kind of go through this because I was gaslighted my whole flipping right. life. Because There's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. Get up, dust yourself off. You're going to be fine. Come on now. Suck you it think up. I'm bad. You should feel yeah. the, 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 the abuse that I got from my mother. I'm I'm a hundred times. Yeah. Better than my mother. And then I kind of used to do it to my son too. I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't have, you know, and so, and I had to, once I started going through this program, like I had to really apologize to him and be like, dude, I'm sorry. I ever dismissed, belittled, had you not validated, I did not validate your experience at all. And I am sorry for that. Wow. Like, heartbroken. Sorry for that. That is the last thing I wanted to do to you. Yeah. That is, that's so powerful because I think too, as, as parents, um, you know, Somebody's got a runny nose, mommy, I don't feel good. And you've got 25 things to do. You'll be fine. Go lay down. 
you'll be fine. You know, here, take some Tylenol, take some, some Dayquil, whatever it is, you're going to be fine. Shake it off. You're okay. Instead of, you know, what's going on? Is, Is it a cold or is this something else that we should talk about? And then are there patterns that we're not picking up on? Because I mentioned, I grew up in a family with addiction and, you know, you talked about growing up with this chronic constipation. I had a stomach ache my entire life growing up. And when I became an adult, I thought I just have stomach problems. I don't know that I just had stomach problems. I think I had stress problems that nobody paid attention to or recognized or here, you're fine. Take a Pepto-Bismol. You'll be all right. You know, or just stay home today. It'll, you, you know, you'll be better tomorrow. Not realizing I spent the first 18 years of my life with a stomach ache almost every single day and nobody wondered why. Right. So yeah, yeah. That's same here. That's what I said. I was undiagnosed celiac for many years. So it was the same thing. I remember at one point I almost got my mom to listen to me and she took me to the doctor, but the doctor was a condescending asshole. Yeah. He basically made it sound like that. I was like attention seeking. Mm-hmm. So he went into like this gory detail of what an endoscopy would entail. And do you really think that you're sick enough to, to go through that? So of course I was like, you know, yeah. he, he yeah. scared the crap out of me. And so I yeah. said, no, I could have gotten diagnosed at the age of 13, but I got talked out of it by the doctor. Yeah. Do you think doctors um, are, are leaning toward learning more about that kind of mind body connection and digging into that? Or you know, what's your experience with people that come to you who have been to doctors? A little bit of both. I do a lot of networking. And so I'm glad to see that I'm not the only functional practitioner these days. Like uh, I'm a strong believer in the same tide races all ships and there are plenty of sick people to go around. Yeah. Uh, And, and there's still a lot of dogmatic, you know, BS uh, brainwashed, you know, I, I follow one doctor, Dr. Peter Osborne, and he's awesome. And he, he he'll put it, he puts it out there all the time. Mm-hmm. Seven hours, seven hours are all doctors get of nutritional uh, education. Wow. Foundation of our health. And they get wow. seven hours like, and he, yeah, so he's constantly putting that out there just to kind of remind you not to put them on a pedestal, maybe so much mm-hmm. because that their interests might be swayed in other directions for other reasons. And a lot of times it's not out of malice or out of, you know, ill intent. They honestly don't know any better. They are truly brainwashed into the way they were inducted into the medical system. Right. And they're trained to write a prescription. They're trained to, to, you know, stitch somebody up and and to fix what's broken rather than look for the root cause of why it was broken to begin with. Um, so I talked about my stomach ache when I talked to you last time, and I didn't go into this in, in detail with you last time, because I wanted to hear about it on the show. You mentioned leaky gut. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's another buzzword that I've heard all over the place. Um, what the hell is a leaky gut? Leaky gut. I love it. Because my other favorite expression is if you've got a leaky gut, you've got a leaky brain. Oh, I thought you were going to say something that rhymed with it, but (laughs) you know, just because the gut brain connection is so strong. And a lot of the testing that I do, if I, I, nine times out of 10 people who come to me with brain fog, right. Yeah. A lot of these brain issues and I test them, it shows up leaky gut. So they've got a leaky brain and they've got other issues with going on. But so you have tight junctions in your gut that are supposed to, you know, they are like a gatekeeper and certain things are supposed to be able to go through. But when you've gotten damage to those tight junctions by eating wheat, 
by eating stuff that you're sensitive to by uh, chemicals or parasites, bacteria, yeast can damage the tight junctions, but anywho, so now they're not tight. Mm-hmm. So bigger things can get through like apples. Okay. Apples don't belong in your bloodstream. So now that you've got apple out of your gut and into your bloodstream, now your immune system's going, dude, who are you? What are you doing here? You know, now you get some collateral damage to your like thyroid because you've eaten you know, wheat and your body now thinks that it's an invader and it's not an invader. It's just wheat. So it triggers your immune system. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Got it. Got it. It gets gets leaky stuff out of the gut and into the bloodstream where it doesn't belong. Okay. And so then when your immune system is triggered by something that is not really an invader, your body just perceives it to be an invader. What are some of the symptoms that you would see of that kind of overactive immune response? Oh my gosh. Anything that could be tied to inflammation. Okay. Uh, from headaches to brain fog, to PMS, to autoimmune, to gut issues, to cognitive Alzheimer's, dementia. I mean, there's so much that are tied to inflammatory processes that have been going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a long, it's a long list. So if you don't, if you have leaky gut for years and years and years, and you don't know it, you just, like I said, you go, you get your over-the-counter medicine, you treat all of the symptoms, but not the root cause. What's, what's that long-term impact look like for people? When people come to you, what are, what are they complaining of? Uh, uh, they're now getting diagnosed with autoimmune disease. And these days people are, are even like myself, you know, they're collecting them like trading cards, right? Yeah. Yeah. Iliac, Hashimoto's endometriosis, you know, because a lot of my leaky gut um, and the inflammatory cascade that that created um, so I have one, one client who I got her neural zoomer back and because of her leaky gut and how much damage it's done to her brain mm-hmm. that, you know, my mentor said within the next you know 10 to 15 years, she could start experiencing, uh, symptoms of dementia, symptoms, wow. of, symptoms wow. of MS, you know, it's a pretty scary stuff. And so like in my stepson, I just recently tested him and he was on ADD, uh, medications and, the kid had been like crawling out of his skin ever since I've known him really bad acne, super moody, like way moodier than a typical teenager even. Mm-hmm. And are uh, you sure I've got a couple that I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's the third. So it wasn't my first rodeo. And I was just like, huh, there's something up with him. Yeah. But, um, with his leaky gut, it's manifesting in, um, the ADD, uh, realm and, um, not being able to sleep at night because a lot of our neurotransmitters and melatonin are made in our gut. If our gut is damaged now, and those good guys can't produce the stuff that they're supposed to produce for us. Now we're malnourished, right? So you could, he was eating a beautifully organic grass fed pasture raised. Like it doesn't get much cleaner of a diet that he was eating. And he was still, his body is, is he's malnourished. You know, he wasn't getting the right amount of anything because everything was just kind of going through him. So that actually, I had, um, a friend of mine who does the audio for me on the show. His name is Muhammad. And he asked me because we talk often about health being a weight loss thing. He said he can eat whatever he wants. He eats all the time, but he doesn't gain weight. Um, so is there a link and something similar that you're seeing there with that? You know, when you had ran that question past me earlier, I was like, Oh God, because I don't typically <laughs> have that issue. Most people come to me to lose weight. Right. 
And it's going to be a lot of the same issues. So stress is stress is stress on the body and it'll manifest in different ways. So if his hormones are out of balance, mm-hmm. if his uh, gut bacteria are out of balance, if he's got a parasite, right? Mm. What if all of his nutrients is going to those parasites, right? That used yeah. to be like the old joke with the old models back in the eighties that would, you know, drop a tapeworm and then they could continue to eat whatever they wanted. and They wouldn't gain weight. I remember hearing, I remember reading about that when I was a teenager and how sad was it that I actually thought, I wonder if I could get one of those, right? Where do you get a tapeworm? Can you just order them now? You probably can. But (laughs) at the time I remember thinking, is that, is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's getting the right kind of calories because I know those folks too, they're like, I can eat whatever I want. I don't gain weight. A lot of it doesn't have a whole lot of nutrition. A lot of it has, you know, a tendency to be uh, damaging to the gut, Mm -hmm. you know, so it could be similar issues. And I've also known quite a few um, undiagnosed celiacs that actually uh, have a hard time gaining weight. They'll lose a lot of weight. So how I know you use data-driven tools and you test, how do you know if somebody has leaky gut? Um, so I do a blood test when I run, uh, the zoomers. So the zoomers are, um, it's like a food sensitivity panel, but on steroids, Okay. It's, it's telling me what kind of damage is being done. It's telling me whether it's been damaged in the first, like in a week, or if it's been damaged over like six months, um, looking at different, um, peptides. So like a typical food sensitivity test is looking for apples, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty generic because there's different parts to apple, right? Right. Um, to where like the zoomers are going to break it down. So like when I test wheat, it's testing for the wheat germ, the wheat lectin, the gluten, the non-gluten part of wheat, you know, so there's like six different parts of, of the wheat that it's actually testing or the corn or the dairy. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's telling me what exactly this person, part of the, that protein that it's reacting to. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so it'll, it'll tell me leaky gut. It'll tell me if you've got problems with your tight junctions. Yeah. It, all that fun stuff. It'll tell me if you're on an autoimmune path, like if you're starting that cascade kind of already in motion, all kinds of beautiful things. I see. Awesome. Is there anything else that we should talk about, about leaky gut before we go into what I'm really excited to talk about, which is sleep? Oh, gotcha. Um, leaky gut. No, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big topic. It depends. It just kind of depends on which direction you want to go. The nice thing is, is it can be healed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the food sensitivities can be reversed. Um, but you have to, you know, remove the stuff that's causing the inflammation to begin with. And and for some folks like with me and, and a lot of autoimmune, it's, it's actually a lifetime abstinence of wheat lifetime of corn and and dairy, you know, so there's certain things that I've kind of had to say goodbye to Mm -hmm. (laughs) another doctor. I follow Dr. Uh, Tom O'Brien. He cracks me up. He's like, humans are the only ones that when something works, they stop doing it. Yeah. You know, how many of my clients, you know, when they're already, they're starting to feel better, they're getting their brain back, they're getting their energy back, they're getting their body back. And they're like, so when can I add wheat back in? And (laughs) my head wants to explode. I'm like, why would you want to, if you were diabetic and you reversed your diabetes, would you add sugar back in? Yeah. I think that's because part of our, our relationship with food is emotional and social. Absolutely. We, we use food to celebrate. I mean, we have birthday parties from the time we're born with these huge sugary carby cakes and, and candy and, you know, Halloween's coming up and people are going to have tons of candy. And we know those things aren't good for us, but 
we consume them anyway, because it's fun and it's social and it's an experience, you know, and it's addictive. Yeah. And it's addictive. And the difference too, I mean, other animals and and things, for example, we can control what we feed our dogs. We control what they eat. Um, but we also control what we eat. So we make the decision. Right. And that's where you get into that. You know, what is, what is it? What is that trauma that if you know, this is not good for you, makes you want to put something that is not good for you into your body. Why would you want to do that? And so I think we all know the answer in our core because I want to, because I'm hungry, because it tastes good, those kinds of things. But we've also evolved from this, you know, one of the things that I've read about a lot is how our evolution impacts our decisions today. So we involve, we evolved from this hunter gatherer society, right. To now we have an abundance of food. So we're biologically programmed to want to eat all of this stuff because we evolved from, from, you know, the past as people who had to go out and hunt and gather our food. Now that we don't have to, and it's here, our bodies have this biological desire to consume as much of that good stuff as we can. And we have to overcome that by understanding the mental processes that are driving that and starting to look, I think at our food as fuel, not as, um, an answer or a band-aid to, to trauma or to, like I said, you know, I've got a stressful day hitting the drive-through instead I've had a stressful day. What kind of fuel does my body need? That's not going to then set off some kind of inflammatory reaction to make me feel even worse. Amen. So <laughs> I, you know, we're, we're all getting there and that's why we have these discussions. So people know that they're not alone. I mean, if, right. if somebody is hitting the drive-through after work and they're listening to this right now, you're not alone. Right. Girlfriend, go stop by the grocery store, go grab yourself a salad and then get in touch with somebody like Heather, who can help you find out what are the core issues that you've got going on in your body that are making you feel that way about stress to begin with. For sure. So, and don't don't underestimate the uh, the chemical shitstorm that it's it's like a laboratory. I mean, yeah. these foods have been made to be so addictive. Yes, they really are. So, a lot of times, people they get they shame themselves for not having any willpower. But like wheat, wheat has a a, a protein in it called uh, gliadiomorphine. Mm-hmm. What's the last part of that word? Morphine. Morphine. Yeah. Gary right? has the same thing. It's called casomorphine. Mm-hmm. Right? Morphine. Wow. So wow. those foods, when you eat them, are hitting that same opiate receptor as morphine. Wow. And I find that these people will not react to it. Like I kind of have to give them a heads up that you're going to go through withdrawals. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's designed to, and I'm going to say something that will probably offend some people and I'm okay with that, but food is big fucking business. It is big business. There are lots of companies out there making a shit ton of money by selling us food that's unhealthy for us. And that's the reality. And so we talk about pharmaceutical companies, we talk about big government, we talk about big business, but food is big business because it is something that we all need to survive. And if they can, they being whoever the corporations, the government, whoever you want to call it, can create food that makes us addicted and keep coming back for more, it lines their pocketbooks. And then we talk about, you know, there's tons of conspiracies out there. I haven't done enough research to talk um, intelligently about them, but about the fact that, you know, in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration is one organization and is there a correlation. So I'll, you know, I'll let the listeners make their own decision about that. I don't know enough to talk about it, but it does seem like, you know, 
we eat this food and then we need the drug to heal the damage that the food did. And it's this big, ugly, nasty cycle. And to deny that there's big business involved in that and deny the science, we've got two different things. We've got big business feeding us sugar, making us unhealthy. We're either fat or we're malnourished, you know, one of these things. Um, and then we've got science saying you need to eat healthy. You need to be active. And we have to make a decision. The biological parts of our brain, our stomach that's hungry, wants to pick up the snack, right? right? While we read the healthy article, that's what we do. We sit on our couch with our phone and we read the article about being healthy while we're eating Twinkies. That's what we do. They start them young. Do you remember the freaking commercials when we were younger? This is a part of a balanced breakfast and they show a picture of fucking uh, Tony the Tiger, right? Um, with a glass of orange juice, with a piece of fruit and something else. And it's basically just diabetes on a plate, right? It's it is. Simple yeah. Sugars, simple carbs that go straight to your bloodstream, no healthy protein, nothing of it is alive. Right. You know, this is a part of a balanced breakfast. Right. That's bullshit. And I think too, that when we talk about processed foods and things like that for families, a lot of it is about convenience too. And I will just make a confession before we got on here. I, I had taken my mom to the airport. I hadn't had time to eat anything. So I ate a Lunchable that was in my refrigerator. The Lunchable was there, but I had purchased the Lunchable for my child because it's easier to pack lunch that way. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he's got a, a cracker and a cheese. And so it's healthy when I know very well that it's not, but this industry has programmed me that way, you know? So how do we unprogram ourselves and start looking at feeding ourselves with food that is fuel, um, with looking at the way that our body is reacting and sometimes not even just looking at it, being aware, being aware, because to your point, when you were a child, you probably didn't know that your constipation was a problem. If you're an adult and you have a stomachache once a week, that's a problem. You need to pay attention to that. If you've got a headache, if you're foggy, when you wake up in the morning, how do we make ourselves more aware of that? Just undoing the brainwashing. I, I just got done actually had a networking event and was talking about this just a couple hours ago. Yeah. We're also inundated with commercials, you know, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea, you know, they make it all sound cute. Just yeah. grab a, a pepto <laughs> right? So we're, we're also been taught very young that, you know, oh, it's just a symptom that we just have to, you know, we've got a Pepto-Bismol deficiency in my body. Obviously that's why I'm dealing with this, right? Right. Instead of digging a little deeper and finding out, no, maybe that's my check engine light and my body coming on saying, Hey, there's something wrong in here. Instead, we put a piece of tape over that check engine light, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, a common phrase in the FDM world is no matter how common a symptom may be, it is never normal, but that's how we start to change things. Is just by being aware to begin with that there's something going on. That that headache that you live with every freaking day, it's not normal. The yes. stomach ache, the blouting, the gas—that's not normal. I it's love weird. what you just said. I love that big idea that just no matter how common a symptom is, doesn't mean that it's normal. Because to your point, when we watch TV and we listen to the radio, we hear these advertisements that make us think, "Hey, it's normal to have this." That's why there's commercials for this medication to treat it because everybody has it. But it's not normal just because everybody does doesn't mean that that's the way that we should live. Absolutely. So I want to segue now into what I really want to, you're going to have to coach me through this. Okay. So I'm going to 
tell you what, how I sleep right now. Okay. It's, it's fucking horrible. And I actually want to talk about this because since I've had these sleep struggles in the last two years, I've talked to so many people who have the same problem. All right. So here's what I do. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is get coffee. Okay. If there is no coffee at my house, because I haven't gone grocery shopping or whatever, I get in my car, I drive to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's and I get myself coffee because I cannot function without it. Then around lunchtime, I get myself a soda. I told you this, and I keep myself on these, what we will call uppers all day long. Then it's time to go to bed at night and I'm staring at my blue screen. My mind is completely exhausted. You know, I've, I've exercised. I feel like I should be tired. I've worked all day and I can't sleep. So I will take a nighttime sleep aid that I got over the counter. Um, that will help. And then I've recently got a prescription sleep aid because there were times where I would be up at two or three o'clock in the morning and I have to wake up at five and I know I'm not going to function on three hours of sleep. So I take these uppers all day. Then I take this downer to help me sleep. And I'm a zombie most of the time. So help me because I know that a third of our lives are sent, spent sleeping. And at this point, if I'm brutally honest, I don't even know what healthy sleep looks like. Mm-hmm. So many people, I, this is a very common story. When I met my husband now, it was the same thing. He was lucky if he maybe slept four hours a night. His mm-hmm. eyes were always bloodshot. He was always just kind of like off in the ozone, you know, just kind of drifting through like a zombie. I, I mean, multiple, multiple cups of pots of coffee a day. I mean, I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. And so the first thing I did with him is you kind of got to gotta go back to basics, right? So first off with him, I had to cut his caffeine consumption back and he couldn't have anything like afternoon, right? Because okay. that just overstimulated him and he couldn't fall asleep at night. So that was like the big first step is okay. And now he's actually down to the point where he drinks one coffee, one, one cup of coffee a day. That's it. I'm so and, envious, but okay. Okay. And it, it was a, it was a process, you know, it didn't yeah. happen overnight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one step at a time, but it's little things. So the little things add up. And I will um, say in, in my office, this is not just, it's not just me. We've got a running joke with lots of people in the office because they're, everybody walks around with coffee literally all day long. I know I'm not the only one doing this. Right. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, sleep is probably one of the number one complaints that I get from folks. That's why I actually have a uh, six tips to a better night's sleep on my website as a landing page mm-hmm. um, for people to sign up for. I just did a live uh, Facebook thing two weeks ago, all about sleep because it, it's, mm-hmm. it's huge. Um, so the blue light thing, you, you hit on something huge there. Um, so I talked about melatonin. Yeah. And if your natural rhythms aren't happening, like they're supposed to, like when it's, when we're looking at blue light or when we even get light through our skin. So our, our skin is our largest organ. And so we just think of light coming through our eyes, but that's, that's not it. It, it comes through everywhere. So mm-hmm. when we are watching TV at night for like the last hour, just to wind down, we make sure to shut all the lights off. It's just the TV. And then we have our blue blocking glasses that I got from Amazon for 20 bucks, mm-hmm. you know, so the minute that the sun goes down, we put those blue blocking glasses on to help stimulate our natural rhythm. So that I've I'm- never even heard of those. Seriously. Seriously. I've no, never heard of you, blue blocking you, glasses. Oh, when you said stare at the blue light, I thought for surely you were on the no. No, I did not know about. So I'm going to order some of these from Amazon. I'm going to take a picture of myself in them and I'm going to tag you and be like, okay, Yay, I'm, yes. I'm holding on you. <laughs> so it takes about two weeks. So don't okay. get frustrated, but okay. yeah, absolutely. We weren't, it, it was so funny. 
Um, not, I mean, not funny. It was funny for me, not for him, but there was one night because I don't want to be the nagging wife, right? Yeah, it's I okay. To, I, I, I totally support you if you want to be. It's fine. <laughs> so there was one night we were watching TV and I noticed he didn't have his glasses on and I wasn't going to be the nagging wife. Yeah. And the next day he's like dragging ass. I'm like, dude, what's up? And he's like, I didn't sleep where the shit last night. And I'm thinking to myself, but I didn't say it again. He actually, he's like, yeah, I didn't wear my glasses. Yeah. Like, yeah I noticed that. <laughs> and I was going to say something, but I didn't want to, like I said, I didn't want to be a nagging. Yeah. Woman. It really makes a huge difference. So you should have followed it up with, and how's your gut? <laughs> Cheap, easy hack. Yeah. Blue blocking glasses. Okay. Minute the, the light, the sun starts to go down, put them on. Yeah, it's a huge difference. I also make sure that like my screen on my computer right now and the screen on my phone mm-hmm. have the, like the nightlight blue blocking um, turned on mm-hmm. just as another precaution. Okay. I'm ordering these glasses tonight. I, I promise you all the listeners <laughs> have my word. I am ordering these glasses tonight. I saw this speaking of which last night, when I was up in the middle of the night, looking at my phone, not sleeping, I saw an image online that showed what a brain looks like that gets healthy sleep versus one that doesn't. And the image was really powerful because the words on there said that your brain, when you don't get enough sleep actually starts to almost eat itself. Oh, it, it starts to decompose faster. Um, and it is unhealthy for your brain and for all of your synapses and all of those, your, you know, things that help your brain function when you don't sleep. So when people come to you with complaints about not sleeping, what are the symptoms that they're experiencing aside from the obvious being tired? Oh, the brain fog reactivity, um, uh, concentration issues, cognitive issues. I mean, it affects every part of their day. You know, they can't, they can't be present in their life. They can't be present with their spouse, with their kids. They're just, you know, they're just scrambled. Their brain is scrambled. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of another little hack. Um, oh, so we talked about earlier about the leaky gut. So that's the other thing to look into. Um, if you've got a leaky gut, because then you're not producing enough melatonin to, ha- to have that cycle hit like it's supposed to either. Um, ye- uh, what was I going to say around that? Um, mel- have you tried taking melatonin? I am opposed to melatonin because it's hormonal. Um, and I just, I don't like to put hormones into my body. I try my best, which it's funny because I just told you I take prescription sleep aid. I try not to take medicine. Um, but I stopped taking melatonin a long time ago. So do you think that it's something that's natural and that you recommend? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. A hundred times over using over the counter and prescription sleep medications. Absolutely. Because you know why else Mm -hmm. it's also a very, very, very powerful antioxidant. Oh, interesting. Maybe, maybe if you shift your mindset that way and stop thinking of more as a hormone is more of an antioxidant than yeah. taking a vitamin. What about cannabis? Uh, cannabis can be great to help with sleep short term. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of studies that show, um, I was working with a sleep expert for a while and I was actually taking cannabis to help sleep. And mm-hmm. he said that Yes, it will help you get to sleep, but the quality of sleep, you won't get into that REM, that really restorative sleep. I see it that you need to. So he was, he was highly against it. And I, I was a little put off by that at first, but then I, I did what he said. Cause I was, I was his uh, student at the time. I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll follow along. Yeah. And sure enough, I was a lot more rested and a lot more focused and a lot less scatterbrained mm-hmm. when I stopped using that as a sleep aid. 
so I tried taking like the CBD gummies before. And, um, the first impact that I had was I started to have crazy nightmares. Uh Um, and, but they would wake me up throughout the night. So I I was having this very up and down sleep and I know that it works for some people. Um, but I think the trick with CBD and with cannabis is that everybody reacts differently to it. And so it really is something I think that, you know, it, it's worth a shot, but I think there are better solutions to your point, melatonin, and then just doing the things to help your brain wind down and, and calm down and taking care of your body so that, you know, we talked about leaky gut and how this activates inflammation in your body so that when you lay down at night, your body's still not fighting itself, mm-hmm. um, and going, 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 and your mind is going, 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 going. Um, I had a a friend of mine knew I was going to be talking to you today. His name is Juan Munoz and he mentioned, um, the 5am club. And so it's a book by Robin Sharma. Are you familiar with that? I'm not, I was curious to find out what, uh, what this was about. Yeah. So the 5am club is, um, it's about people who are successful because they wake up really early. So going kind of with that, the early bird gets the worm. There's this idea in the business world that if you wake up early, you get more done. You're more productive. If you work out early, you're going to be healthier. How do you feel about that? Because I will tell you, I've tried And I think that I am a night person. Um, I've tried waking up early. I am a business professional to be more productive and think it will improve my productivity. It doesn't seem to work. And I recently read that there's actually a long sleep and a short sleep gene where they've tested people in this same family who wake up early and those who sleep later, and they have different genes and, and are differently predispositioned to sleep. So do you think waking up early helps people, hurts people? What's your opinion? Well, so I think you hit a little bit on, on both sides of the, 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 the coin there. One, I kind of, I dislike that, that wake up and grind type of mentality, because that's a big reason why so many freaking people are sick. Yeah. Because we're, not, again. Meant, we're again. not meant to grind like that. Like it really pisses me off that, 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 that we've had this mentality of you just got to push, 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 push. No, now your adrenals are fried. Now your hormones are screwed up. Now you can't sleep at night. Now you can't, you know, on and on and on and on because mm-hmm. we've been told that we have to be productive 24 freaking seven and even in our sleep. Right. Uh, so no, not a big fan of that. Um, I am a big fan of getting to bed by 10. Okay. Because, so I used to think the same thing that you did. And I'm just recently now, I actually can get up at 530 for the first really? time in my life. Wow. Uh, and that's because the quality of sleep that I'm getting is a hell of a lot better than I've ever had before in my life. And I'm getting to bed at a decent time. So my body is actually rested and it wants to get up at 530. It says, I've had enough sleep. Thank you very much. It's time to get up. Yeah. So, so you feel well rested when you wake absolutely, up. Absolutely. Wow. So there's a, a lot of physiological things that happen only when you're sleeping and only during certain hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So we say the best sleep is between 10 and 2 a.m. Okay. So if you're a night owl and you think that that's, you know, that that's how it is, but I really think that it's more the uppers all day and just the lifestyle. And then it keeps you up at night. So Thank you call, for your honesty. Call, you <laughs> call me out. It's fine. It's true. I know this. I need somebody to tell me the truth. <laughs> so say that. So if I just said your best sleep is between 10 and 2 AM and you stay up till midnight, mm-hmm. you're losing out on two hours 
of, of different functions that happen in your body that can only happen when you're asleep. So like the liver taking the garbage out, right. That's not happening as much. So there's, there's a lot of different, you know, things that go on during that time that if you cut itself short, then you're cutting yourself short. And it does make it harder to get up in the morning. It does make it harder to function throughout the day without crutches and stimulants, because you, you didn't get the type of restorative sleep that you need to make it a good day. All right. So next time we talk, I'm going to have blue glasses and I'm going to send you a picture of me in bed at nine 45 so I can fall asleep by 10. Blue blocking glasses. Blue so blocking they'll, they'll glasses. They'll actually be yellow. They're yellow. Good to yeah. know. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to look like a superhero in these yellow glasses. It's going to be great. <laughs> yep. All right. So what's the, what's the big idea? We talked about a lot of things today. We talked about kind of this mind body connection and how both physical, mental, emotional trauma can affect our bodies. We talked about leaky gut and how being aware of the way that our body responds to things is incredibly important so that we make sure we are providing ourselves with the fuel that our specific body needs and reacts well to. And we talked about my big need, which is sleep, because again, you know, a third to a half of our lives is spent asleep. And so we can't just focus on our waking hours. We also have to talk about those. What's the big idea that you want the listeners to come away with from you today? The reason that we're not well as a society is we've just gotten way too far off track on how humans are supposed to live in this world, how we're supposed to eat, how we're supposed to sleep mm-hmm. and that kind of stress and the toxins and the, the night owl and the artificial lights, it's all taking its toll on us. So I guess the big basic word would be get back to foundation right? You got, you got to get back to foundation. You got to start eating whole real foods. Mm -hmm. You got to start getting the right amount of sleep. You got to cut out, you know, stimulants during the day, the crutches and, and, and letting yourself feel right. That's the reason why trauma gets stored in our our systems quite a bit is because when something does hurt us, we don't allow ourselves to feel because we're too busy grinding to your point. (laughs) We're too busy living this, this hustle culture um, to stop for a minute and feel what we feel and feel how our bodies feel. Absolutely. Amen, sister. Yes. All right. So somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, okay, I have all these problems. I've got trauma. I clearly have leaky gut. I'm still not sure what it is, but I think I have that and I need help sleeping. They want to reach out to you. Um, how do they do that? Uh, www.discoveringhealthfdn.com. Okay. And what can they expect? Uh, so there's that fun little landing page with a sleepy kitty. And also you can just put in your email address and you get the six tips for a better night's sleep. Um, I just had it recently designed and it's so beautiful and it's so functional. I love it. Mm-hmm. But there's testimonial pages. There's uh, the packages that I run on folks. So you can kind of get an idea of what I'm looking at and why. And then there's, you know, places where you can put in your information to book a free consult, right? So we can dig a little deeper to see if it's a fit because not everyone's a fit. If you're not ready, like mentally, big time ready of, of being sick of being, t- you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's not going to be a fit. Right. I've, I've had a couple consultations over the last month with just women who wanted to lose like 20 to 30 pounds. And they're like, well, this is really expensive and this is really hard. And well, yeah, this is not for that. Like go join Weight Watchers. If that's all you're worried about is losing weight. Like I'm for the people who are really wanting to make a huge change and an impact in their life, their kids' lives, their grandkids' lives. Right. Because yeah. they know that there's a different way. There's a better way and they don't have to keep suffering anymore. 
Right. So thank you so much. This is Heather Gray. Again, I'm so grateful for you coming on the show. I'm grateful for your candor, um, for telling me like it is telling me to buy some yellow blue blocking glasses for, you know, stop the uppers and the downers and get it together. Um, and teaching me too about leaky gut, because I truly didn't know before this show what it was. I'd heard about it. It was kind of a buzzword. Um, but, but now I have a better understanding of what that is. And I think I can be aware, more aware of what my body is doing and how it's reacting to things. So this is Heather Gray. She is with discovering health. She's a functional wellness practitioner. Um, so you can tell from her title, this is all about wellness. It's not just about losing weight, gaining weight, fitting into that size too. This is about making our bodies function well. Um, and as a whole, as a whole, so that it, we're talking about holistic wellness here. Um, anything else you'd like to say to our listeners before we sign off? No, except thank you, Kristen, for yeah. allowing this platform to allow me to get out here and, and spread the good word, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Love it. Well, thanks for the great conversation and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye.